Thanks so much for joining us here on TV 35. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. We're here at Lincoln Park on Lincoln Avenue. And what you're seeing behind me is probably not all that attractive, but it will become something attractive. I'm joined by Pat Pavlek, Betty Crawley, and Mayor Kathleen Miller-Prunty. We're going to be talking about what will be going on behind us. Mayor Prunty, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what is going to be happening here, please. I'm very excited. About a little more than two years ago, I was at the ceremony when the library at the Cranford High School was renamed in honor of Dr. Deborah cannon Wolf. And shortly after, I was talking to Pat Pavlak about how wonderful it was. And Pat said, you know, there are a lot of us who think we should be doing something, something more to honor this extraordinary Cranford resident uh, who has been, who is deceased. And she said, you know, she grew up across the street from Lincoln Park. We should think about doing something there. So we batted around a, a few ideas. COVID hit. We didn't get to follow through on things. And then one day I called Pat and I said, I have an idea. You know, Dr. Wolf was an educator. Why don't we take a section of the park that really is neglected and needs some work and create the Dr. Wolf Reading Garden? So that's what you will see behind us. It will be a passive space, benches. Uh, there is a Girl Scout troop that's going to build a little library here. And so we, we just see it as a very welcoming, uh, beautiful, peaceful kind of spot uh, to come and sit and relax, enjoy, read a book. Well, the two people that we're joined with, in addition to the mayor, one had personal dealings with Dr. Wolf, and the other is very familiar with the work that she's done. Why don't we start with you, Pat, telling us a little bit about uh, Dr. Wolf and her connection to Cranford, if you will. We understand that she grew up across the street, but there's a lot more. Yeah, she did. She, um, oh, I forgot. I'm looking at the camera. She, um, she grew up, her house was actually right across the street from Lincoln Park. And that's why um, when we spoke about this with Mayor Prentu, we thought Lincoln Park was a, a logical spot to do something for Dr. Wolf. Uh, she traveled all over the world, but she always said Cranford was her home. She was a product of Cranford Public Schools. She went to Cranford High School. Uh, after she graduated from the high school, she went to Teachers College in Jersey City, which is now, uh, they keep changing the name, is it Jersey, Jersey City, City University? Or um, She got her undergraduate degree there. She went on to Teachers College at Columbia University, got her master's degree there, went on to get a PhD from there. Uh, and from there, she just worked in the field of education for her entire career. She worked at the Tuskegee Institute. She was uh, in the schools down there, setting a lot of the procedures that they used. Uh, she was, uh, during the 1930s, she was the principal and head teacher of a school for adults at Lincoln School that was set up by the WPA. Later in her career, she worked on the, she was the chief education officer for the House of Representatives, and she worked on a lot of the legislation that set forth um, things that we take for granted today, such as Head Start, community colleges, um, 
the the lunch program, the uh, secondary education and elementary act, which brought uh, for Betty and I, who are both retired school librarians, brought uh, lots of books into schools. Uh, she worked with Betty. I'm forgetting all the things. Uh, you know, we'd have to talk for hours to talk about all her accomplishments. Uh, she was, believe it or not, in her spare time, she got her pilot's license and was a Tuskegee Airman yeah. on top of everything else that she did. So she is just a woman that just blows you away when you look at her accomplishments. Um, Betty has a book that she's carrying with her that is about this thick that lists all her accomplishments. We could talk about her forever, but no matter where she went, she always said Cranford was her home. She always considered this to be her base of operations. Right, Betty? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Pat touched on some of Dr. Wolf's accomplishments, but you knew her personally. So tell us a bit about the person of Dr. Wolf. Tell us about that, because that really personalizes it much more than just a rundown of all her many accomplishments. Right. I'm going to try to personalize it, but I'll probably add in some other things too. First of all, I want to say what a day, what a glorious day to uh, celebrate uh, this reading garden in honor of Dr. Deborah Cannon. Wolf, right across the street from where she lived. She spent all of her young life there and most of her senior years. Just think, back in February 6, 2020, Cranford High School Library was named in Dr. Wolf's honor, the Deborah Cannon Partridge Wolf Library and Learning Commons. And today, another honor in her hometown, the Deborah Cannon Partridge Wolf Reading Garden. How fitting and proper. Dr. Wolf had a love of books. Growing up, she said, we always had books in our home. Even at times, we only had bread, butter, jelly, and canned peaches to eat. Dr. Wolf knew the importance of reading and books. She knew the importance of exposing young children to books, and she knew they needed to see themselves in books. When I was growing up in Elizabeth in the 40s and 50s, my elementary school had no books about African Americans or children's books with black characters. In 1962, during the Civil Rights era, Dr. Wolf was appointed Education Chief of the House of Representatives Committee on education and labor. In this role, she was the committee's chief educational consultant and was in charge of research and the drafting of educational legislation. She guided 35 groundbreaking public laws through Congress. Of the 35 laws, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act allowed Congress to authorized one million dollars for public and school libraries. These funds were allocated specifically for the purchasing of books on and about African Americans. Dr. Wolf's work paved the way for the early development of mainstream multicultural literature. I met Dr. Wolf in 1986 when she had recently retired from Queens College after 39 years as professor of education. I was in awe when I met her and felt somewhat nervous. When I told her I was a school librarian, I became like a first daughter. Her calendar was always filled with speaking engagements. Once 
when she overbooked and had two speaking engagements on the same day, she asked me to represent her and read her speech. On another occasion, she called and asked if my family and I would assist her with a Kwanzaa celebration at a Monroe Township cable TV station. Dr. Wolf shared many of her life experiences with me. When she returned north to teach at Queens College, she couldn't find housing because of the color of her skin. She commuted two and a half hours to Queens College. While in Cranford, she served on the Board of Education and Welfare Board. She also received a community service citation from Cranford Lodge 2276 of Benet Britt in, in 1985. In January of 1995, I invited her to my school for a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration. Dr. Wolf was always happy to share her life experiences with students. She was able to connect with our students and she told them all about Dr. King and her association with him. She told them how she had shared the stage with Dr. King during his famous I Have a Dream speech and the powerful effect it had on her. She told them how five years later she had visited the King home to express her condolences upon his death. She also told them about 13-year-old Yolanda King, Dr. King's eldest daughter who at the time of her father's death was the exact age as my middle school students. Dr. Wolf emphasized Yolanda's presence of mind at such a young age. It was quite an experience for my urban middle school students to meet someone who had personally known Dr. Uh, who had personally known Dr. King. Sometime in the early 90s, Dr. King, uh, Dr. Wolf, I'm sorry, sold her home and moved to Rossmore, a retirement community in Monroe Township. At Rossmore, she served as vice president of the League of Women Voters, director of social policy at Rossmore, and chairman of the township's Human Relations Commission. Even in retirement, she was a busy lady. Once a month, she traveled back to Cranford to preach at First Baptist. When she preached, you listened. She had a powerful voice, and you didn't fall asleep. She attributed her speaking ability to her early training at First Baptist Church, where her father, the Reverend David Wadsworth Cannon, was one of the early pastors. I remember on one occasion, before starting her sermon, she scolded the congregation for not visiting her. She said, I've been in Monroe Township for two months and no one has visited me, but that's all right. I have my white friends down there. The next week, my mom, two other ladies from the church, and I made a large picnic lunch and drove to Rossmore. My mom was particularly impressed by Dr. Wolf's intellect and knowledge. Dr. Wolf's life was a life fully lived and one of inspiration. She encountered many obstacles from grade school on, but being resilient, she never let these obstacles interfere with her progress. Her motto was, keep on keeping on. Dr. Wolf's accomplishments, I think, are amazing just in and of themselves. But when you consider that she was a black woman in an America that was segregated for much of her life and had to overcome that additional obstacle that society placed in front of her. Betty, you knew her. What do you think gave her the power to overcome that kind of societal pressure and obstacles that were placed in her way? 
Well, you know, she always said her parents, um, first of all, education. She thought education would be the thing that would educate people to understand and to want to know about other people, their, uh, you know, their ethnicity, their culture. This is what she was all about. And also her parents, uh, Dr. Wolf also, she never met a stranger. If she met one, you didn't stay a stranger for long. Yeah, she, uh, she loved everybody. She wanted to be called as a citizen of the world. That's what she wanted to be called because she traveled all over the world. I was telling Pat, she traveled around the world six times. Can you imagine that? She met all kinds of people. And there's one story I'd like to tell you. She was part of the Lyle Foundation, which was started by a doctor and Mrs. Baldwin. And this foundation was to get young people together from all over the world so they would get to know each other. So they would get to live together and really to know each other, you know? So one summer, she had a roommate from Virginia. So Deborah said one day, the roommate came into the room and she had a recording of Langston Hughes, the great African-American poet. And the young lady said, Deborah, Who's that? And she said, oh, that's Langston Hughes, one of our uh, great African-American poets. And she said, oh, I didn't know Negroes could write poetry. So even this, things like that didn't bother her. It was just, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> and and she, uh, that's how she met. She never met strangers. She didn't care about your color. She wanted to know about you. You you told me that she loved, in her travels, to find out about, as you say, different cultures. She wanted to know the little details of how people lived and their interests. And their you said that, Kathleen. I just thought of something. When she was at Tuskegee and she started this school for very poor black people in uh, Alabama, and she had a student by the name of Roosevelt, Roosevelt walked, I think she said, five miles or more each day to attend this school. And he was a bright young man, but he never had opportunities. He lived with his grandmother. And she said, you know, really to get to know people, you have to go inside their homes and you have to live with them. So she went to Roosevelt's home. Now, this is Alabama. This is probably the 19... 40s, early 1940s, poor people, poor, poor farmers. And uh, she said, but by going there, she understood the whole situation. But the part that I loved was many years later, Dr. King was in Alabama as a speaker. Somehow Roosevelt found out that she was there. He called her at her hotel and he said, uh, Dr. Wolf, this is Roosevelt. She said, you mean my Roosevelt? <laughs> She said yes, and he went ahead to tell her um, he was working. He had a wonderful job at, uh, oh, no, I have to think, I have to think. He had a wonderful job at one of the universities there, and he was head of the department. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a wonderful story. Here was a kid who walked five miles to get to that little school uh, uh, there at, uh, in Tuskegee and uh, lived with his grandmother. And she said, she said, you know, you really have to, if you can, go into the homes and see what the homes are like. Yeah. And uh, so that was Dr. Wolf. <laughs>
We've talked about her many accomplishments. We've talked about how the library at Cranford High School was named after her and how this reading garden will be named after her as well. But there are other places in the United States where she is remembered, Pat, and they're, they're on this board that is being held up here. But what are some of the other places that Dr. Wolf has been memorialized? Um, she is the College of Education at New Jersey City University is named after her. There is a dormitory at the College of New Jersey also named after her. And there are is a two schools in Alabama named after her. She spent a, quite a bit of time at Tuskegee Institute and had a big role in some of the programs that they did down there and some of the developments in education that came from the Tuskegee school so she's honored down there and um, from a conversation between myself and Betty and um, our dear friend Jean Kreiling who uh, unfortunately passed away in June and was not able to see this day she would have been thrilled um, from a conversation that we had one day at the Historical Society we just started, you know, talking about why isn't this woman's name all over Cranford? She's probably the most accomplished person born in Cranford that I'm aware of. I don't know if there are others, but if they are, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find someone with more accomplishments than Dr. Wolf. And that was how we got this whole idea of, you know, trying to bring um, some kind of honor to this woman who had nothing acknowledging her presence in her hometown. Uh, we approached the Board of Education. We did all our research. We put our information together. Uh, Jean made this board, which she carried around to so many different meetings. Um, but we uh, we first sat and talked with Dr. Rubin, who was very, uh, I would say, blown out of the water about this woman that he was not aware of. He asked us to do a presentation to the Board of Education, which we did. They were similarly impressed by her. And uh, they came up with the idea of name, renaming the high school after her, which we thought was a fabulous idea. Her family thought it was a fabulous idea. And uh, right before the pandemic and everything shut down, we had a great uh, renaming and reopening of the um, of the learning commons up at the high school. And it was just a fabulous, fabulous day. I think everybody who was there will tell you what a wonderful day it was. There were so many different people there. And um, it, w it was just a wonderful occasion. And uh, I think very fitting that this place, which is encouraging people to be lifelong learners and to always uh, look for the other side of the story and see things from somebody else's point of view, I think it was very fitting to honor Dr. Wolf there because that is how she lived her whole life, as uh, Betty said. Uh, she always wanted to see where people lived, where they were coming from, what their experience was, and, um, and that was how she lived her whole life, basically. So um, we were thrilled. And then when Mayor Prunty uh, told us that this was on the table, again, we were thrilled. So we're really happy that Dr. Wolf is getting uh, her recognition at last. Well, as we mentioned, what is appearing behind us right now is really not all that attractive, but it will be in relatively short order. Mayor, why don't you tell us, is there some sort of a timeline as to when this may be available? Well, uh, the work uh, will has begun, as you can see, and so it will be 
probably about 80% finished this fall, but a lot of the plantings will have to wait until the springtime, possibly. Uh, so, but it will be open uh, in not too too, too far away uh, for people to enjoy, uh, but the full beautification uh, and probably a ceremony uh, will be in the spring when uh, the rest of the plantings are done. And, and I just also have to say there's been uh, aside from these two amazing ladies, uh, we had a couple of other folks who uh, helped us um, just figuring out what would go here. Uh, we had hats off to Eric Hastrup of Public Works because anyone who uh, is familiar with what it looked like back here a while ago was a, like a jungle. You just couldn't, couldn't even get in there. And we had a couple of folks from the Environmental Commission and the... Um, tree uh, folks, uh, Kathleen Murray, uh, Jay Stevens, who tried to advise us about what might be able to stay, what could go. So uh, there were lots of people with uh, helping hands on this. And as I said, a Girl Scout troop, Carolyn Capone, who was chair of the Park and Rec Board, and also a scout leader, uh, her daughter's Girl Scout troop, uh, they are going to build the little library for here. Well, a lot to look forward to. Uh, obviously, as this gets closer, you'll see more on TV 35, but we thank you very much for joining us today as we talked about this memorial reading garden that's going to be built. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank Mayor Prunty, Betty Crawley, and Pat Pavlik for joining us here today on TV 35. I'm Bernie Wagenblast, and we'll see you again soon.